food bloggers. Hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta, and I've been a food blogger for over 12 years. I understand how isolating food blogging can be at times. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. Get ready because this is a really good episode that I feel like every food blogger should listen to. Marta Rivera Diaz from Sense and Edibility comes to the table with a really important topic that I feel we don't talk about enough, and that is how to be an authentic ally as a content creator. We talk about how there are so many underserved individuals that need to feel like they deserve a spot at your table. And there are ways that we can make them feel valued and appreciated and important in really small ways, ways that we don't necessarily even think about. Even if you feel a little bit uncomfortable about this topic or talking about it or listening to people talk about it, I invite you to come in and just listen to the whole thing from start to finish. I promise that you will be glad that you did. This is episode number 401, and it is sponsored by Rank IQ. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to eBlog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave eBlog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Marta Rivera Diaz is a formally trained chef with more than 25 years of cooking and baking experience, and she is the chef and author behind Sense and Edibility, her online culinary school. Marta created her blog to encourage advanced and novice cooks alike to explore and succeed at executing culinary fundamentals, techniques, and cuisines never before explained or introduced to them. As a biracial woman who grew up and married into the military and one who lives with a disability, Marta is a staunch advocate for underserved communities, especially in the food space. Hello, Marta. Thank you so much for joining me on Eat Blog Talk. How are you today? Hi, Megan. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Same. This is such an important topic to talk about, so I'm excited Mm -hmm. too. Before we get into it, though, do you have a fun fact to share with us? (laughs) So my fun fact uh, is about myself. I'm actually a carpenter. I built, I built I built furniture in my spare time and it's it's a fun fact because every time you know somebody comes to the house and sees a piece that I've built they're kind of like where'd you get that and I'm like I made it and so they're shocked that I guess a lot of my friends assume I'm super girly but I'm really I, I love working with my hands so that's my fun fact is that I'm actually a furniture building carpenter Oh, that is. But it's also because I'm cheap too. I don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like paying for stuff that I know I can build. But do you find that that activity, when you're doing it, it fulfills that creative space? In yes, when I'm doing it right. But I'm super. You know how they say creatives are some kind, sometimes kind of all over the place. Yeah. I'm very much like that in most aspects of my creativity. 
So I have to return to the lumber store frequently because <laughs> I mess up cuts or I don't, <laughs> I don't plan correctly. So sometimes it's frustrating, right. but you know, when you get that reaction from people that see your, your build. Um, oh, heck yes. Yeah. That's, it's kind of like, it's that's a flex. <laughs> So what is your favorite thing to make? What type of furniture? You know, I, I like just building things like sideboards or tables or benches just, just because okay. it's, not that, it's not that hard to do. Yeah. It's not that hard to do. You know, they're straight lines, they're straight cuts right. most of the time. But I do want to kind of get into doing things like couches or upholstered furniture. But I think that's, that's, that's a little bit beyond my wheelhouse, I think. Oh. I might try it in the future. I want to put... Do you have pictures you can share? I would love to put some in the I show. Do, yeah. trade. I oh, do. That would be fun. Send me an email with a few and we'll put them I up. will. That would be awesome. Cool. I love knowing that about you. And I love the topic that you're bringing to the table today. It's something that we don't talk about enough. And that is just how to be an authentic ally to people who need it, to everyone really, and to be more inclusive. So let's just have you start off by sharing about your journey, kind of where you have gone in your entrepreneurial journey and where you're at today. So I'm actually a lifelong military family member. Another fun fact about me is that I was, I've been a military brat since conception. Both of my parents, both of my parents were in the Air Force. They were both active duty uh, during the Vietnam and Gulf Wars. So I grew up in a military family. I swore I would never marry into the military knowing that lifestyle. And a month after I graduated from culinary school in Baltimore, I married a soldier. Uh, So so never say never. Um, That was my lesson there. And proceeded to follow him around the world for 20 years while he was in the army. Wow. So, you know, I grew up because both of my parents were active duty, I grew up with chores like most kids do, but my chore was cooking for our family of five. And that started at a very, very young age. And a lot of people don't realize that the military is actually sometimes considered the working poor, just because based on the amount of work that they do and what they're required to do, and the time that they're required to devote to their military service, they don't get compensated nearly enough for what they're doing. So my my family was no exception. You know, there were very lean times where I had to kind of put together a meal for all of us with very limited resources. So unlike a lot of culinary professionals, I didn't grow up with that love of food where, you know, you're standing next to your, your, your mom or your grandma in the kitchen and you're cooking recipes from scratch with her. I don't have that memory. My memory has always been one of food insecurity. So that's how I grew up is, is piecemealing meals for a family of five at like the age of 10 you know, in trying to figure out how to make it work. And that ability, you know, I found that I was very proficient in the kitchen and I was able to move around very well, even at a young age, led to my foray into culinary arts. So I went on to attend a high school, a vocational technical high school, which is 
basically a high school that teaches trades. And I graduated from their culinary program and went on to culinary school in Baltimore. That's where I met the guy that I said I would never, ever marry. (laughs) And, you know, we, we got married. And about a year after we were married, we moved to Germany. And, you know, it was always a struggle as a military spouse finding employment. And and that is that is career irrelevant. It doesn't matter what your career is. As a military spouse, finding gainful employment is one of the biggest issues that, that we face mm. because no one wants to hire someone who they know is going to leave in two or three years. Right. So especially when you're a staff, they're, they're looking at you when you go to interview and they're they're saying, I'm not going to invest this much time in someone teaching them our recipes, teaching them our, you know, the way we do things in the kitchen for you to leave in three years. So finding a career was, or finding a job in my career field was next to impossible. So I created my career field and I started being the go-to person on base for big event cakes or catering jobs or things like that. And that was a job that I can move with me all the times that we moved. My last move to our home here after my husband retired was my 23rd move in my life. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> I have moved a lot. So, a lot. but, you know, being a caterer and, and running a cottage food business, which is what, you know, what I was doing was a way that I could pursue my passion and still, you know, not become resentful because I was supporting my husband's career, but my career was kind of, you know, in limbo. So that quickly transitioned to in December of actually Christmas Eve of 2010, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and a non-ruptured brain brain aneurysm. And, you know, as the fourth of five people in my family who have been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And at the time I was my mom's full-time caregiver who was dying of multiple sclerosis. I, I knew what, I know what multiple sclerosis does and I know how it affects the body and some of the first things to go are the use of your arms and legs. And as a chef, I kind of need those. Yeah. And I was looking at at my life and I was just kind of like, you know, I've supported my husband's army career. I've homeschooled my kids because I started homeschooling my kids when they were three. And it was just like, I've given so much to everybody else. I was, again, a caretaker to my mom. And I don't have a legacy of my own or something that is my own that I'm really proud of. So that inspired me to self-publish my cookbook, which is, you know, I look at it now, my cookbook, and I was really proud of it back then, but now I look at it and I see how much I've grown and I'm kind of like, oh, that was kind of, that's like my ugly baby, you know? (laughs) I love that I did it, but it was just, you know, I'm glad it's out of print. No, (laughs) let's just say that. But that, that segued into me writing online because a lot of people that read the cookbook were were like you're you're like the Irma Bombeck of writing food writing because mm. you're funny and you write these anecdotes and you need to put this in a blog and I didn't know what a blog was because I really never read blogs and 
this all transitioned into me starting Sense and Edibility. And it was what I wanted to do was teach people to love cooking, you know, or to at least feel comfortable enough in the kitchen not to freak out when they got in the kitchen, you know? Yeah. And that led to where I'm at now, which is still running Sense and Edibility. And, you know, now my husband's retired, so we're stable and my, my, Twins are in college, and it's just kind of like my time now. So, oh, what a great story! And wow, yeah, so much transitioning and moving throughout your life. And it's fun to hear how that's kind of played out in parallel with your blog and the work that you do now. So, you really believe that, you know, like we have to be advocates for the underserved. And I guess I would just like to start by asking, how would you define that? How would you define underserved? Well, so there's a term called intersectionality that it, it's become a buzzword in recent years, especially since 2020. And it was a term co- coined by Kimberly Crenshaw back in the, like, the late 80s. And intersectionality just basically looks at a person's holistic situation, right? So I am a Black and Puerto Rican woman who has, I I put this in quotes, a disability or an impairment, and I am a military spouse. So when you look at all of those things and you take all those things into consideration, and then you add to the fact that I've decided to pursue a career in a very male-dominated profession, it's difficult for me to find the equality or the representation that so many of my male white counterparts or even my female white counterparts can experience. So for me, when when I discuss, you know, especially as a content creator, when I discuss equality or diversity or, you know, inclusion, I'm trying to encourage people to look beyond yourself, right? Look beyond your situation as a, a woman food content creator who we all know, you know, if you've been in this business for any length of time, you know that the majority of content creators are women. And oftentimes we get into a mode where we're kind of like, we're women and we don't get treated fairly as male food bloggers do. But then you have to look at the women of color who are also food bloggers that are definitely not treated the same as white women Mm. food bloggers. But then you also have to look at the women of color who have disabilities who are not treated as, you know, so it's, for me, it's like this domino effect that I'm always looking at because I can relate to most of these intersectionality issues that a lot of people don't realize even exist because they're only affected by one or two types of discrimination if they're affected by any at all. There are so many layers there. So many. Right? Yeah. So how how do we become allies to people? Because I think it's really important that we do that, that we recognize that this is a thing. It's it's a real thing. And mm-hmm. we want, I think a lot of us want to be allies, but we really don't know how to do that. So what can we do? 
So I think the first thing to, when it comes to learning how to be an authentic ally is to stop and take stock of yourself, right? These discussions sometimes hurt feelings. And I think a lot of times we get wrapped up in the, but that's not what I intended, or that's not who I am, or I'm not like that, you know? And it's not necessarily about attacking somebody and saying, well, you're a racist or you're, you don't care about, you know, people outside of who you are or who you can relate to. I think being a true authentic ally means sitting down and learning people's stories. A lot of time we lump people into these categories where, you know, well, if you're black, you're just. And these are things that I've heard personally, you know, you're an aggressive black person because you take offense to everything. And it's just, that's not what I meant to say, you know, and if you have someone in your life or you are having an interaction, whether it's on social media or whether it's with one of your commenters on your blog or a fellow food content creator is telling you this is problematic, what you're saying It's time to stop, take a step back and say, okay, I'm not being attacked for who I am, but my words are hurting someone. Mm -hmm. So as an ally, do I want to continue to hurt people or do I want to continue to hurt this particular person or this group of people or do I want to be a better person? Do I want to be better about this, you know, and hear people you know, it's so easy to get to get wrapped up in the feelings of it all. Right. And I mean, it, we would be lying if we 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 said feelings don't matter and it doesn't really hurt that bad when somebody tells you you're you know, you're offensive. But it, it, it's a lot. You know, you get a you get offended when you feel like you've offended people. But right. I feel like it's it's so important as if you truly want to be an ally. Now, that, I think that's, that is something that needs to be acknowledged and it needs to be put in the forefront. If you truly want to be an ally, because some people say, okay, well, I want to be an ally, but not really. You know, I want to be an ally on my terms. Mm. But if you truly want to be an ally, that requires you sitting down with someone whose story you may not have heard, listening to them, And not trying to rationalize or justify or reconcile their experience, right? By saying, oh, well, you know, well, maybe they didn't mean to be racist. Or maybe they didn't mean to, you know, be, you know, use that microaggression towards you. Or maybe you're just being overly sensitive, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because these are all things that we have heard before. I know for a fact that I've heard before. And it's kind of like, I am dismissed as a person, not my experience is dismissed, but as a person, I'm dismissed. Because again, we can't separate the emotion from the person, right? Mm. So if I'm being made to feel as if the only content that I'm good enough to create is Puerto Rican food or Black soul food, then you're dismissing the years of study that I've done as, you know, the years of classical European cooking that I've studied. It's, 
because you're assuming that I'm just the black Puerto Rican woman who can only cook ethnic food, you know, being a true ally for me means sitting down and truly listening to an individual story and not listening to respond, but listening to absorb and to learn. To understand. Wow, that's powerful. And I'm just thinking of all the times when emotion does creep in. So for me, it can be like reading something on social media that's like, wait, is that, was how was that meant? And you know, you can take things right. the wrong way and get really emotional about them when you're reading a comment on YouTube or TikTok or wherever. So actually taking the time to stop invite that person into a conversation and yeah. just try to under do nothing but understand is what you're saying. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of clarification. You know, a lot of things, especially on social media, because you can't read tone, you can't yeah. read inflection, you can't read any of that stuff on social media. And most of the people that follow me or know me on social media know I'm sarcastic. Like that is that it, I'm it's like my second language, sarcasm. And when you know me, you can read it. When you don't know me, you're offended. And anytime somebody has said, you know, well, that's offensive, I address it. Because my intention is never to be offensive at the expense of, or never to be so sarcastic and funny and quote unquote witty, which I, I swear I am, you know. At the expense of someone's feelings, because I gain nothing from it, you know? Yeah. But a lot of times, it's people are afraid to have that conversation. Like, well, what do you mean by, by, by what you just said? And I think that's very important. I have a, just recently, in fact, a, a reader of mine found a recipe. I mean, and this is one of those recipes that I so want to update because it's so, the pictures are gruesome. Like, the content is just <laughs> horrible. But she came to me and told me, I would really advise you or recommend that you change the title of this, this, this recipe because the word that is used in it is a derogatory term in South Africa oh. for Black people. And, but, you know, it's kaffir lime leaves. So I've only known this fruit as kaffir lime and she mentioned that to me. And as I start to think about, you know, videos or documentaries or movies like Mandela that I've seen, I've heard that term used, not necessarily knowing it was a racial slur. So she suggested, you know, change the name to Makrut, which is the name of the fruit in Indonesia, because it's an Indonesian fruit. And automatically, that post went from published to private. Because I'm going to completely revamp that 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 recipe. I'm changing the name. Um, you know, I don't care about the drop in SE. I don't care about any of that stuff. Yeah. And I would have done it despite hating the pictures to begin with. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Definitely. I could have easily in that moment been like, well, I didn't mean it like that. And this is how exactly. they call it in this country. I could have gone all kinds of ways with it. But why? You know, why would I ever want anything on my piece of real estate online to be offensive to anyone? Yeah. And that's a lesson that I, you know, I pat myself on the back for it because, you know, I could have easily taken offense to it and, and made it about me. Mm. And it's not about me. 
It's about right. a word that has been used for centuries, probably, to degrade and to deride people of color in a country that I, you know, I've, I've never been to, but I don't want to be a part of that. Eat Blog Talk is here to support you at every stage of your food blogging journey to help you accelerate your blog's growth so you can achieve your freedom. We offer many services that will help get you on the right path no matter where you're at in your journey. Don't forget to check out our free discussion forum at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Go there to connect with like-minded peers, to learn and to grow, and to share any wins that you have. Our signature service is our mastermind program. We are currently accepting waitlist submissions for 2024. So if you want to get on the list for this year-long experience starting in January 2024, definitely do that now. If you are not quite ready for that investment, the Mini Minds program might be for you. It is a six-month program that will help you achieve your goals and overcome any obstacles that are holding you back. And if you're up for getting together in person with some like-minded food bloggers, consider coming to one of our in-person retreats in 2023. This is a great way to get to know your fellow food bloggers really well in an intimate setting to learn a ton about food blogging in a short time frame and to eat some delicious food that you will never forget. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash services to get all the information about all of our services. And I think it's important to point out that you weren't offended by it. Like you actually took it in and tried to understand it instead of just like getting defensive and exactly. Like, I'm this wasn't my fault. I didn't intend it. Like you said, yeah. you just you sat. And you listened and understood, and then you acted. And I think it's important. It's kind of telling. I mean, you know, I'm a New Yorker originally, so I I, I shoot straight from the hip most of the time. <laughs> but I think it's kind of telling when you do get offended when someone tells you something uh. like that. Because it kind of makes me wonder, where's the offense coming from? Because I didn't get offended from that because I knew my intention was never, when I created that recipe... I literally wrote the recipe based on what was written on the package of leaves that I was using. So I know that my intention was not ill. You know, there was yeah. no ill intention meant in, in creating that recipe whatsoever. So I didn't find anything to be mad about or offended about. But I do notice that when people get very, you know, when they get up in arms and they're like, well, you know, you should just be grateful that you have a place at the table or you should just be grateful that, you know, black content creators are getting recognized now. It's kind of like, where does that come from? And that's mm -hmm. something that you have to dig deep inside and ask yourself, why am I so offended that black content creators are asking for equality or Latinx content creators or indigenous content creators are asking for the same thing that I'm getting. Yeah. You know, that's, that's self, some self-reflection that you as an individual have to do. And that's not something that anybody else has to own. I so agree with that. And I, that was so beautifully said. I think this whole topic of just equality in general is something that a lot of people tiptoe around because they're afraid. They're afraid of it. They don't want to say anything wrong. They don't want to do anything wrong. So they just don't say anything. So how yeah. do you feel that that translates into your business? Do you think that we should be saying more about it? I believe that 
Number one, I believe that if you are not a person of color, there's really no way for you to understand what people of color in this country, and I can't speak for other countries, but what people in this country have experienced, right? Yeah. So it's difficult for people to really relate to the stories that we tell. It's almost mind boggling to a lot of people when I tell them some of my stories because they can't wrap their mind around that happening to them. But there's also a a requirement, again, if we're going to be authentic allies, there's also a requirement for you to do homework, right? It becomes exhausting as a Black woman, as a Puerto Rican woman, to have to educate people on things that a quick Google search can, can inform you of. But beyond that, again, we go back to the story, the individual story. So you can Google, you know, basic history in the United States and find out a lot of the stuff that what especially black content creators are talking about is not a lie. Like it really happened. But then you have to sit down and speak with the person and you can't get offended if they're like, I'm exhausted. The emotional labor that that the last especially three years have put on us, I'm too exhausted to, to discuss this with you. Right. And you have to you have to respect that because it is exhausting. But if you do have the privilege of speaking with someone, I think it's important to ask questions that you're afraid to ask. Right. Those questions that you think, if I say this out loud, somebody's going to think I'm a racist. Right. If you have somebody that is willing to sit down with you and have a conversation, no holds barred. And you have to be willing to say, okay, and I'm going to give this, you know, this is an example that I've lived through, you know, is it offensive for me to ask you to touch your hair? You know, granted, this is not about food, right? But this is about something that I live my daily life dealing with, you know, you have to ask that question. Is it offensive when I ask you if, you know, Black people are stronger than white people, you know, so that you can have these conversations and this that person can educate you on microaggressions. They can educate you on things that are stereotypes or racial tropes. And you can learn from that. You can't learn from people without asking questions. You can't. It's impossible. I mean, you can read all the books you want to, but you're sitting next to somebody who has lived that life. And you don't even bother to turn around or turn next to you, that person or turn next to yourself and say, hey, can you tell me about your experience? A lot of people don't want to hear the experience, right? Because it kind of makes them feel guilty. It makes them feel guilty because they're like, oh, I, I've said that before, you know, or I've thought that before, or I've done that before. You know, in the realm of food content creation, colonizing recipes is huge. You know, and I use that word colonizing because as a Puerto Rican, I very well understand the concept of colonization. You know, the island of Puerto Rico has been colonized its entire existence, save for when the Taino Indians, who are the indigenous people of Puerto Rico, you know, inhabited the island. So when I see content creators, quote unquote, creating recipes that have been around for centuries, and saying, I've elevated this uh, cuisine 
or this dish, or I've made this way yummier, or I've, you know, done X, Y, or Z to improve upon a recipe that is a cultural staple in my cuisine or other people's cuisines, it is so extremely offensive. So sure. that's, that's the time I become that sarcastic person that I told you I was. And, I, and I'm like, oh, you know, you're colonizing this recipe because yeah. a white person doesn't need to come along or, and I won't even limit it to white people, but anybody outside of that culture doesn't come along and elevate anything. It didn't need to be elevated. Obviously, it's been eaten and enjoyed by this culture for centuries. <laughs> yeah. You didn't need to elevate anything. Yeah. So even colonizing recipes is something that a lot of people don't realize that they're doing and how offensive it is when someone like from Vietnam sees that their pho recipe needed to be elevated by somebody. Right. And that, I guess, yeah, as content creators, we may not think of that until it's pointed out to us. Right. And it's just kind of like, I I also have a phrase that I say all the time, don't yuck somebody's yum. You know, (laughs) in, in Puerto Rico, we eat blood sausage. You know, it's not, it's something that is very, it reminds people of home. You know, it reminds people of Christmas in Puerto Rico. The English eat blood sausage, but people don't have as quite a visceral reaction to to that when they like they do when they hear that Puerto Ricans or Koreans eat blood sausage. You know, yeah, it's it's something that I always try to remind people, including my family members, you know, where it's just because you don't you've never tried this or it seems, you know, outside of your norm doesn't mean it's disgusting. And for you to say, oh, that sounds nasty to someone who this is their cultural cuisine. This is something that their grandmother or great grandmother probably made for them and gave them some type of comfort for you to say, oh, that's disgusting is offensive. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like this conversation extends even beyond cultures and race. This can be underserved. I feel like can also be someone with a disability like yourself living with a disability or maybe even having kids with disabilities or something along. I mean, it doesn't have to be just culture. Am I right? No, you're totally right. I, and, and, you know, this extends to brands as well. You know, we, we talk a lot about content creators, but brands also, you know, I look at campaigns and whenever I'm approached by a brand or, you know, somebody that wants me to work with them, I always take, I either ask or I take a look at the lineup, right? Because they usually have a lineup of influencers that they're asking to participate in said campaigns. And if I can't see it readily, I'll ask, you know, I want to know who's working on this campaign. And if I don't see representation in the form of, you know, diversity as far as skin color is concerned or abilities, you know, other abilities are concerned or even military personnel are severely underrepresented Mm. in this industry as are LGBTQ content creators. So if I don't see 
that representation, I say, do you need recommendations for content creators that fit these marks or that fit these criteria? And if they say no, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of like pushed back and I'm like, yeah, you do. Cause <laughs> based on your lineup, you're not representing well. And it is true. We need to, when we're writing, when we're considering the content that we're putting out, are we writing a recipe for people who may have arthritis, who can't open jars, who can't mince garlic, who can't, you know, you know, flip saute pans? Are we considering them? Are we encouraging them to, hey, take out from the produce section by grabbing pre-cut veggies so you don't have to do it? Are we considering parents who are exhausted from, you know, taking care of a child with a, a disability? And I hate saying the word disability, you know, uh, with an impairment. Are we, what about a caretaker to a spouse or a caretaker to a mom like I was? Are we considering the fact that they're exhausted and but they still need to eat and they still need to take care of themselves. Are we recommending to them, here's how you can create a shortcut for this recipe that I really want you to try because you should be able to try it because it's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Military personnel, again, some of the working poor, they're not making a ton of money. How can we as content creators reach them how can we, you know, if if you don't, it, and, and granted, the military is like a whole secret squirrel society. If you don't live it, you can't even begin to understand it, you know? So those of us who do have an experience with military service should be utilizing that and encouraging military personnel or military spouses to utilize the things that we know exist. and. Brands should be coming to content creators who understand that world and saying, listen, we need to reach these people because they deserve our support in more than just words. Ooh, I think you said something really important there because I feel like all of us, everyone listening can relate to something that you just said on some yeah. level, whether it's, you know, being in a military family or having someone in the family with a disability or impairment or, you know, just being of a race that isn't typically in this space or something. Like there's something there. I can definitely relate to the exhausted parenting because I have a child with autism. And oh my gosh, yeah. I can, that is something that I'm like, I have been there. I'm here. I get it. It's exhausting. Yeah. And that is something I can speak to. So I love that you said that. Just like finding that thing that you can relate to and then serving how you can benefit others in the exactly. same situation. I, I was a mom of twins. Oh, gosh. That right there is. <laughs> you know, I, like I was a mom of twins, caretaker to my mom and a military wife oh whose husband deployed multiple times. And I had my own disability all at the same time. Wow. So I can speak to people. I can speak to moms of multiples on how to make life a little bit right. easier at mealtime. Just like you can speak to moms of children with autism on how to make mealtimes more approachable after you're completely pooped at the end yeah. of the day. You just can't adult anymore. You know, so we always need to do some self-reflection and say, when I was at my worst, 
when I was at my lowest point or thought I was at my lowest point? What was I doing in order to make it day to day? And how can I create content that will reach somebody who is struggling to make it day to day in this moment? Because I, I believe that we all go through trials and tribulations, not for ourselves, but so that we can pay it forward to somebody else with our experience and with our knowledge. Absolutely. Oh, that's so important to hear that again. Yes. We don't go through it just selfishly for our own good. We do it so that we can help and serve others get through it better. So accessibility is a huge kind of buzzword right now, just like making sure our images are accessible and our blog is accessible. Can you talk about that a little bit and how that relates to our conversation? Well, for me, it's it's very important because multiple sclerosis, like my mom went blind in one eye for two years. Just it's a vicious disease, you know, and it just does things to you that you just don't expect. So for me, and you know, I always I always make light of things because if you would really like stay in that space, you'd be miserable, right? You just cry all the time. Yeah. So I always try to find something funny. I don't try to find the silver lining because I'm not a pes- like an optimist. I'm just, you know, I just try to find something funny in it. For me when it comes to accessibility, I want people to know how dope this picture is that I just took. Like I need you to see through my words, what an awesome picture is on the screen. And I'm going to describe it for you so that you can get the same enjoyment that I get out of looking at this picture I took, right? Mm. And if you think about it from that perspective, instead of the perspective like, oh, I got to go and do this just to be, you know, just to be compliant. It's one, it's just horribly insensitive because as someone who has been in a wheelchair multiple times in my life. I would give anything to not have to use a wheelchair, right? You have those people that say, oh, well, you must, you're must you lucky because you get to use the handicapped park, parking spot. Ugh. I would give anything not to have to you use that parking me. spot. I'm telling you, the things people come out of their face with is crazy. <laughs> I would never think that. That's a horrible thing to say. Oh, I'm telling you, some people say the wildest things to me. So it's the same concept when we're writing content, right? How how much would this person who you are writing this alt tag or this alt text, how much would they give to be able to see that Mm. for themselves? And if you look at it from that perspective, instead of, ugh, another thing I got to do. You know, I think you'd put more into it and I think it would become a lot more fulfilling to do, Yeah, you know, and it's the same thing with, with writing content that is again, approachable to people who have other abilities or impairments. It's so important to be a good person, right? Be, be somebody that acknowledges the fact that I can walk, I can use my hands, I can use my, I have vision, I have hearing, I can swallow. How can I be a better person to those who can't? How can I alter my recipes? How can I give suggestions? Because I do this all the time. How can I give suggestions to my readers so that they can alter it for their their situation? You know what I mean? I I tell people all the time, hey, if you have dexterity issues, 
through because of arthritis or because you just have dexterity issues. This is how you can, you know, use this hack to accomplish the same thing. This is so powerful. It's just, yeah, you said this a little bit ago, just being a good person and just seeing that if you have the use of all your faculties, you are blessed immensely Mm -hmm. and trying to pass that on to others who do not in such a little way. Just, I love your filling out your alt text on images, how you try to make it fun. Yeah. I mean, you took that picture. You took that picture and I bet that picture looks good. And I know people want to see that picture, so I'm going to describe the hell out of that picture, okay? (laughs) You need to see this for yourself, right? (laughs) And it makes you feel so much better. It makes you feel so much better because you've just given someone the gift of fight. Yeah. Like, how, how, how much of a blessing is that, you know, that I just gave you the gift of being able to see, and it could be something as mundane to us as a pot on a stove. But again, how much would that person give to just be able to see that for themselves? Mm. You know, something that we got to remember. Definitely never going to look at alt text the same again. It does become a checklist (laughs) item that, oh, I have to do this. I'm going to check this off the list. But to think of it in that perspective gives me a whole new vantage point. Yeah. Yeah. And, And also captions, captions on videos. My husband suffers from tinnitus. And, you know, there are, and, and this, this is a trigger word, suicide is a trigger word. There are many military personnel who suffer from tinnitus every single day of their lives. And if you don't know what tinnitus is, it's just a constant ringing in your ear that doesn't go away. And, you know, there, it's so infuriating, so painful, and so just miserable for them that, it's just, it makes their life, it mm-hmm. just really deteriorates their life. And having, if you're doing reels or you're doing video, I am the caption queen. Okay. I'll <laughs> include like chuckles. I'll include, you know, hehe's, whatever, you know, because I want them to, if they can't hear, I want them to be able to know. I want them to be a part of the crew, like the, the crew. I don't want anybody to ever feel like they're not welcome in my space. Mm -hmm. So you're invited to my party. Come have fun. I want you to be able to see what, you know, what we're seeing. I want you to be able to hear what we're hearing. Shoot, if I could create touch, I want you to be able to touch what we're touching. I just want everybody to feel like they belong. Like everyone has a seat at our table because we are all food creators and we all appreciate that concept of bringing people to the table. So do what you can to be inclusive and make everybody feel invited and welcomed. Absolutely. Oh, this is so important. I I feel like this is long overdue here on eBlog Talk. I really appreciate this whole conversation, Marta, thank you so much for bringing this to the table. <laughs> of course. Is there anything we've forgotten that you want to be sure to mention before we start saying goodbye? I, you know, for me, it's just being an ally to all people. You know, if if you are among the privileged, and I say that just, you know, just somebody who doesn't have to wake up every day wondering about, you know, the color of your skin, if it's going to be something that's going to be a hindrance to you or, you know, 
walking up a flight of stairs or getting out of the door or hearing somebody, if you are a person of privilege, to be a true ally means to, again, invite everybody to your space and make everybody feel welcome and not make anybody feel as though they're bothering you because they chose to be a part of your community. Oh, gosh. That was amazing. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for your time today. It was a pleasure. It was. I I love chatting with you. This was awesome. To end, I like to ask my guests if they have additional words of inspiration or maybe a favorite quote to share with my listeners. Do you have anything with that? So I'm not very eloquent as far as quotes are (laughs) concerned. But I did learn a quote. I am one of the founding members of Eat the Culture, which is a Black uh, food content creator collective. And we are doing our Black History Month virtual potluck this, this month because it's Black History Month. And the proverb is an African proverb that says, once you carry your own water, you will remember every drop. And to me, that is so deep and so powerful as most proverbs are. So just remembering your journey, remembering the journey of those that came before you is of great significance and importance. And we should always remember it. Oh, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that so much. We'll put together a show notes page for you, Marta. So if anyone wants to go look at those, you can check them out at eblogtalk.com forward slash sense and edibility. Love the name of your blog. Thank you. It's so great. So everyone go check out Marta's blog. It's senseandedibility.com. Where else can we find you? I am on Instagram and Facebook as sense and edibility. And I'm on Pinterest. And what's the other Twitter? <laughs> As Edible Sense, I also have a YouTube channel that is Sense and Edibility. Great. Well, thanks again so much for this conversation today. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Don't forget to head to forum.eatblogtalk.com to join our free discussion forum and connect with and learn from like-minded peers. I will see you next time.